This is episode number 361 with Hal Elrod. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Before we kick off this episode, I need to tell you about my brand new book, Purposeful, 10 Steps to Overcoming Fear and Living Your Dream Life. This is an Audible original, which means it's only available on Audible and it's out right now. I'm so excited for this book because one of the common things I get asked is, how do I find my purpose in life? How do I know what my purpose is? And this book teaches you exactly how to uncover and live your purpose. So if you want to live a purposeful life, overcome fear and live your dream life, this is for you. You can get it totally free when you sign up for a free trial with Audible. How cool is that? All you have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash purposeful. That's P-U-R-P-O-S-E-F-U-L-L to get it in your ears today. I also have some purposeful bonuses that you can get your hands on. I'm so excited for you to hear this book and cannot wait to hear your thoughts. So for this week only, if you rate and review the book on Audible, I will send you free access to my Manifestation Masterclass. All you need to do is send a screenshot of your review to hello at melissarambrosini.com and I will send that over to you straight away. Enjoy Purposeful. surviving multiple near-death experiences and impacting millions of people through his books, Hal is now on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time. As the author of the international best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, which has been translated into 37 languages and sold over 2 million copies. Holy moly, I cannot wait to say that about my own books. And his newest book, The Miracle Equation, is doing exactly the same as his other book. Hal is also a Hall of Fame business achiever, ultra-marathon runner, seven-figure entrepreneur, and most importantly, a grateful husband and father. He has dedicated his life to helping other people overcome their challenges and become who they need to be in order to create the life that they truly want and deserve. And in today's episode, we chat about his mind-blowing near-death experiences and how they impacted his life and mindset, the five-minute rule and how it can help us transition from anger or frustration to peace and acceptance, a free, easy and effective method to better handle our emotions, how to create healthy and powerful affirmations that will transform our lives the story behind the miracle morning and what makes it the ultimate morning ritual that you need to inject in your daily life, how to create miracles and become unstoppable, his miracle equation and the real reason why people can't seem to achieve their goals, how you can create the ultimate morning ritual even if you're not a morning person, 
how everyone can have a miracle morning, even if you have limited time, plus so much more. This episode is not only super inspiring, his energy is just high vibe, next level amazing, but also this episode is jam-packed with knowledge, wisdom, and so many truth bombs and key takeaways that you're going to be wanting to jot them down. For everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 361. And without further ado, let's get this party started and bring on the incredible Hal Elrod. Hal, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. I've wanted to have you on for so long. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? The same thing I have for breakfast every single morning. I would call it like my cancer-free health smoothie, right? So it's a smoothie with organic ginger root, like a lot of ginger root, organic garlic, an organic orange, spinach, pecans, and then like 20 different powders from organic acerola cherry to Ceylon cinnamon to, I mean, like you name it. It takes me literally 20 to 30 minutes to make the smoothie. It's crazy. (laughs) Sounds delicious. I love smoothies. And something that you mentioned there was cancer smoothie. So you have an incredible story. You have faced death twice one of the times being when you were diagnosed with cancer. So can you take us back and tell us about these two near-death experiences that you had where one of them you died for six minutes, which is just mind-blowing. Can you take us back to those experiences and share with us those stories? Yeah, I will. Thank you for the the opportunity to share this. When I was 20 years old, I was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 80 miles per hour on the freeway. And I was found dead at the scene. As you mentioned, it took the fire department an hour to cut the roof off the car and pull me out. I was pinned in because after I hit the drunk driver head on, my car spun off the drunk driver and another car hit me in the door at 70 miles an hour. So the left side of my door, my driver's side door, crushed the left side of my body. And I broke 11 bones, had a lot of internal injuries, and I bled to death. I was clinically dead for approximately six minutes on the side of the freeway after they pulled me out of the car and I'd I'd lost so much blood. And I was rushed to the hospital, spent six days in a coma, flatlined twice more. And when I came out of the coma, I was told that I would never walk again and I had permanent brain damage. And I made a couple decisions. And the first was I accept life exactly as it is. I had learned a year and a half earlier from a mentor of mine that the root of all of our emotional pain is itself created, that we create emotional pain based on our resistance to our reality. And most of us, we're not taught that. Most of us think bad thing happens, I feel bad. Good thing happens, I feel good. And he taught me that the key to you know being at peace with life exactly as it is, no matter what challenges come up, is to decide you're gonna accept life before it even happens. You're gonna live life where you accept it exactly as it is because you understand that wishing it were different in the moment that it is what it is, it doesn't change it. It just, it's a form of delusion, right? And so for me, I went, you know what? I was in a car accident. And if I never walk again, I'm at peace with that. And in fact, I told my dad, I said, dad, you know, I was 20 years old. I said, I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair if I'm in a wheelchair. But the second decision I made is 
one of unwavering faith. So the first was unconditional acceptance of where I was, but the second was unwavering faith of where I wanted to go. And I decided, I said, I have unwavering faith that I will walk again. And at the same time, I know that it's a possibility that I might not. It's, it's this weird kind of maintaining two possibilities at the same time, being at peace with the worst case scenario and putting all your energy and attention and faith into the best case scenario. And the doctors came in about three weeks after the crash and they said, we don't know how to explain this, Hal, but your body is healed so quickly. We're going to let you take your first step in therapy. So, you know, two weeks prior, they're saying you're never going to walk again. And then they're looking at the x-rays going, I, I, we don't know how to explain this, but you can walk. And I took my first step that day. And I do believe that for all of us, like one thing that's inevitable in life is adversity. We've all had adversity in our past. A lot of us are going through it right now and there's more on the way, right? Like that's just, just reality. And the quality of your life is not about the adversity you face. It's how do you respond to that adversity? Do you resist it and wish it weren't happening and get frustrated and angry and sad and scared? Or do you accept it and find that inner peace? And then do you live in fear of the future or do you live in faith of the future, right? Fear of the future you don't want or faith of the future that you do want. And then most recently, about three and a half years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, I couldn't breathe. And over the next couple of weeks, I had my lung drained, I think seven times, draining like 11 liters of fluid. I mean, it was I was in the, in the ER every other day. And it turned out I had a really rare aggressive form of cancer called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And I was given a 30% chance of surviving, which you know is a 70% chance that I was going to die. And it was the exact same two decisions. I accept that I have cancer. I'm at peace with it. I told my wife, I'll be the happiest, most grateful person you've ever seen go through cancer. And I said, and sweetheart, I have unwavering faith. There's a 100% chance that I'll be in the 30% of the people that survive and beat the cancer. And again, the doctors were kind of amazed at how quickly I was recovering. And it's been the hardest three years of my life. You know, we won't even go into the whole story. I mean, really, really painful. I was facing death many times in the ER with 104 degree fever and so on and so forth. But again, I accepted my life every moment as it was and maintained unwavering faith that I would live to be 100 years old with my wife, with my kids. And yeah, that's been kind of two of my secrets to, I guess, inner success, if you will, you know, where that nothing in my outer world I allow to dictate my inner world. And I think we all have that power. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing those stories. It's almost unbelievable. And I've seen footage of the car accident and it is wild what you have experienced. Going back to when you were laying in the hospital bed, you made that decision to accept it and still have that faith. Was that as easy as clicking your fingers or was it something like, did you still go through that internal battle or was it as easy as clicking your fingers? Here's what happened. So yes and no. And where this came from, where my ability to accept the car accident exactly as it was and not be depressed and, you know, and just a mess about it. A year and a half prior, my mentor in, I was in sales. I had started a career in sales when I was 19, selling Cutco cutlery, like high quality kitchen knives. Never thought in a million years I would do that, but a buddy of mine talked me into it. And that's another story. But my mentor, 
on the second day of our training, we had to go through a three-day training, and on day two, he taught us something called the five-minute rule. And this is something I'm gonna teach right now because it's very tangible. Everybody can start implementing this. And the five-minute rule, he said, he said, look, when you go out there and you're trying to, you're in sales, he said, it's one of the hardest careers you can be, and you're gonna get rejected. You're gonna set goals. You're gonna fail. You're gonna have the biggest order of your career. They're gonna cancel the next day. He goes, it's just this, it's a roller coaster. He said, live by the five-minute rule, which states when something doesn't go according to plan, he said, give yourself five minutes. It literally, he taught us to set our timer on our phone for five minutes. I did, I did this for a long time. And he said, for five minutes, you get five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, feel sorry for yourself, get angry, like whatever. He said, feel your emotions fully. But he said, when the five-minute timer goes up, you take a really deep breath and you say three really powerful words. He taught us, can't change it. It's an acknowledgement. I can't go back in time and change what happened, whether it was five minutes or five months or five decades ago. The only logical, intelligent choice I have if I want to live free from emotional pain is to accept my life exactly as it is. And it doesn't mean, by the way, this is important. It doesn't mean you're happy that that thing happened, but it's much more powerful than happiness. See, happiness is an emotion right? You can be happy one moment and, you know, a phone call changes that and now you get bad news and now you're upset. When you accept life exactly as it is, it's not that you're happy or sad or angry or excited. It's this place in between that, that I call simply peace. When you accept life exactly as it is, you're in a state of peace and it's not an emotion. Emotions are fleeting. A state of peace, it's a state of being. It's an ever-present state of being. And it's where you just, you're just, it's the calm in the midst of the storm. And so, to answer your question, was it as easy as snapping my fingers? Not exactly, but kind of, because I had practiced this for a year and a half. I had been practicing developing my acceptance muscle, if you will, on everything from you know my, my sales career to one of my favorites, which is traffic. Like, <laughs> you know, I used to get upset over traffic. And then I started applying this, and the five-minute rule became the five-second rule. I'd hit traffic and I'd go, no gosh, dang it, I'm going to be late. I need to, you know, I get all upset and then I go, wait a minute, can't change it. Why would I spend the next 30 minutes in this car frustrated over the speed of the cars in front of me and the fact that I left late? Those are out of my control. I might as well be at peace every moment. And to me, traffic is a great microcosm for life. Like the way that most people spend time in traffic is how they spend time in life. They're just frustrated and stressed over these things they can't change. And so I had practiced for a year and a half accepting life exactly as it is. And what started out as five minutes, and I go, five minutes doesn't feel long enough. I still feel frustrated. After a few weeks of that, I'd set the timer on my phone for five minutes and I'd bitch and moan and complain. And I'd look at the timer and I'd go, okay, wait, I still have four and a half minutes left. <laughs> and I'd kind of smile and almost laugh and go, what's the point of staying upset for another four and a half minutes when I could just get on about my day and do something proactive? So that five minute rule kind of became the five second rule. And then it eventually became where I go, look, I just am going to accept life before it happens. I made a conscious decision that I will accept everything that ever happens to me and be at peace with it before it even happens. So when I got cancer, I mean, it was literally five minutes after I was diagnosed, I called my wife and she's, you know, she's in tears. She was out of town and she's in tears and she's like, she's scared to death. And I know, I know her enough to know her mind's going, oh my God, the father of my children, my husband is, is like, he's gonna die. Like, you know, I knew she'd go there, but I had, the moment I was told, I had already accepted it. And I called her, I said, sweetheart, 
I, I know this is hard and my heart is breaking for, for you and, and for the kids. I said, but I want you to know I am completely at peace with this. I, I will be the happiest, the most grateful I've ever been. So I want you to know for whatever it's worth, you don't have to worry about me. Like, I know you're scared I'm going to die. And, you know, I said, but I, I'm telling you, I'm not, you know, I've beat everything up until this point. And, and so, so yeah, so for me, because I had practiced this five minute rule, and that's what I encourage people to do. Start doing the five minute rule every day. Whenever you find yourself upset, go, wait a minute, set your timer for five minutes. And when the five minutes is up, say three words, can't change it and take a deep breath and go, I'm at peace. Oh, I love that. That is so practical. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm definitely going to try it. And I know everyone listening is going to give it a go as well because it's just so easy to do. So there's something that I wanted to add to that. Something I say to myself is everything is always unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. So when something happens that, you know, maybe it's it's traffic or something a bit more extreme, I just remind myself that everything is unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to. And right now, I might not understand why, but with hindsight, you look back and you go, ah, that's why that, that, and that happened. And I love your five-minute rule. It's awesome. I talk about something similar in my first book, Mastering Your Mean Girl, and I call it the pity party dance-off. And basically, it's a similar sort of concept. And what it is, is you put an alarm on your phone for however long you want, five minutes, whatever it is, two minutes, and you get it out. You scream, you punch, whatever you have to do. And then to change your state, you put on one of your favorite songs. So whether it's Beyonce or whatever, and you dance for the entire song. And what that does is it then lifts your state and raises your vibration. And I did this for so long, for so many years. And then it got shorter and shorter. You know, that time where I would express my anger or frustration got shorter and shorter. It's a similar sort of concept and it's really practical and allows you to move through emotions like anger and frustration and sadness quite quickly without carrying them through your day or your week or your month or holding on to them for, God forbid, years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had a woman who saw me teach this lesson at a speech I gave probably 10 years ago. She was 27 years old at the time. And she sent me an email about a week later. And this is this was the most profound email I'd ever received. She said, when I heard you talk about how all of our emotional pain is self-created by our resistance to our reality. She said, I got very angry because my father committed suicide 10 years prior when I was 17 years old. And I felt like you were telling me it was my fault that I had spent the last 10 years depressed. And that went against everything that everyone else had told me because they, when I was depressed or sad or scared or angry about my father's suicide, they would put their hand on my shoulder and say, you poor thing, I can't imagine what you're going through. You have every right to feel that way. And she goes, you're the first person that kind of said it was my responsibility. And she said, so I decided to try it. I, I started the five minute rule and the can't change it practice. And she said, within a few days, I was at peace with his death. And, and she goes, in 10 years, I had gone to therapy. I had been on antidepressants, nothing worked. And she said, so I went and got a tattoo yesterday. She had said the day before the email on my wrist that says, can't change it. And she said, it was, a remi- it was the 10 year anniversary of her dad's suicide. And she said, it was a commitment that 
the memory of her dad would never again cause her depression, she decided she'd replace that memory with gratitude. And that that acceptance through those three words was kind of the doorway to that. And, you know, and I went, wow, if, if, if someone who spent 10 years in depression that therapy didn't work, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, antidepressants, and three words, just a shift in awareness that, wait a minute, I'm in complete control of whether or not I resist my reality or I accept it fully. And acceptance is the key that unlocks the door to your emotional freedom. Yes. Wow. So powerful. So for someone listening who is experiencing extreme adversity right now, maybe they have just lost someone or they're experiencing high financial stress or they've just been given the diagnosis or someone they love has been given the diagnosis, whatever the situation is, what would you say to them right now? So first, I would say my heart goes out to you. And I don't ever want to come across as insensitive when I share these concepts, which I've been told that sometimes they go, I feel like you're just telling me that your way is the right way. So my heart goes out to you. But here's what I would say. I would say that you've got to put pen to paper, meaning that our thoughts are very sporadic, right? You can be thinking a positive thought and then a negative one comes in and then you try to go back to positive and then negative comes in. And then especially if whatever we're conditioned to think, that's especially important, right? If you're conditioned to complain or feel sad or angry or be stressed out in traffic, well, those are deeply ingrained patterns in your thinking. And so in order to change those, it takes repetition over an extended period of time. And so for me, and this is true for all of us, I do everything in writing. And there's a couple different strategies that I would share. And these are part of what I, you know, my miracle morning is that's my practice every morning that I do. I call it the scribing practice. And there's two ways that I do this. Number one with scribing, it's almost like self-therapy. So I get my thoughts out of my head and on paper and I'll, I'll go, I feel effing angry right now, right? Or I feel afraid of the state of the world or I get it out. And sometimes I'll do it in the form of questions. If I wake up and I'm like, what? I feel something, but I don't know why. I'll go, what am I feeling? I just write, kind of like let my pen be guided by higher consciousness or whatever. And out comes all of my problems. I get it out on paper. And it's an amazing therapeutic practice to get the emotions that are inside you that feel overwhelming when they're on paper. It's like you got rid of them. You put them on paper and now there's the separation and you see that they're not you. They're just these emotions that are living inside of you. So that's the first piece is writing out everything that's causing me emotional turmoil. And then the second piece is I create affirmations. And the way that I view an affirmation is a reminder of my highest aspirations. So who I aspire to be, how I aspire to feel, what I aspire to create in tangible form in terms of my goals or dreams or results, outcomes that I'm committed to. And so I affirm what I want to feel better. Again, it's kind of continuing that therapy, but I make these statements. I'm going to give three really quick steps to create affirmations that produce tangible, measurable outcomes in your life because I think affirmations are really misunderstood. We've been taught to either lie to ourselves, and if you're unhappy, just say, I am happy, right? And you're fighting reality because the truth will always prevail. You go, I am happy. And your subconscious goes, no, you're not. You're miserable. So you can't lie to yourself. And the second problem with affirmations is we're taught to use this flowery passive language that promises a magical outcome without us doing anything. So an example is I am a money magnet 
Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. And while that might make you feel good in the moment, so there's a little value in it, if you leave it at that, like that's not how money works. Anybody that's built a fortune, they don't go, yeah, I was a magnet and money just flowed in effortlessly into my bank account. They probably had to actually work, create value, offer it to the market. So here's three really practical, actionable steps. Number one, don't just affirm what you want, affirm what you're committed to. In doing so, you program your subconscious mind with the resolve, the the discipline, the, the focus, the commitment that you need to produce the result. So for example, instead of lying to yourself saying, I am happy, or I am thin, or I am wealthy, if those things are not true, say, I am committed to becoming happy. I am committed to becoming thin, or I'm committed to losing 20 pounds. I'm committed to becoming wealthy, right? Now you're affirming something that is not only true, right? It's, you're not saying something is already as it is that it's, it's not. You're not saying I am wealthy, I am thin. You're affirming a commitment and that commitment is required for that to become a thing. And the more you affirm the commitment, the more it becomes real, the easier it becomes and the more you start to live in alignment with that commitment. The second step to an affirmation is affirm why it is meaningful and or crucial for you to achieve that outcome that you're committed to. So for example, I am committed to earning $50,000 this year. Well, why? Why is that so important? Because just the outcome, there's no juice there. It's just money. It's just a number. Your, our psychology needs to attach to a meaningful, deeply meaningful reason that we're compelled to do it. So I'm committed to earning blank dollars so that I can provide financial security for me and for my daughter or my son, what's that meaningful why that when you read it, you go, yeah, I'm committed. I will do whatever it takes for those reasons. And then number three, what specific actions will you take and when? And that's where, as my coach used to say, the rubber meets the road. I am committed to doing blank on these days at these times. And I'll give you an example. So when I was diagnosed with cancer and I was given a 30% chance of surviving. Did I have fear? Absolutely. Every day it would enter my mind. What if I died? I'd see my kids. I'd get, I'd start to get like weepy and go, you know, my daughter was seven. My son was four. The idea of leaving them without a dad is like, there's nothing I could imagine worse. And every day I would experience fear. Here's the difference. It was only for a few moments. And then I'd pull out my affirmations and they said, I am committed to healing my body from cancer and living to be 100 plus years old with my family, no matter what, there is no other option. That was my commitment. I am committed to healing my body from cancer, taking ownership, by the way. I will heal my body from cancer, not I I hope that the chemo works. No. Um, The second thing is, why is it deeply meaningful? Because my son needs his daddy, my daughter needs her daddy, and my wife needs her husband, and I need me, and the world needs me, right? I just, I had all the reasons. I had reasons for each person in my life. My sister had already died when I was a kid. I said, my mom doesn't deserve to lose another child. My dad gave up everything to save me, right? I had all these, I had a list, not just one. I had a list of all my compelling reasons in bullet point. And then the what I will do is I wrote, I will do every holistic practice, and I had a list of them. I I was doing acupuncture, ozone therapy, beamer mat, eating raw vegan diet, juicing every day. I mean, lymphatic massage. 
in combination with the chemotherapy, because I had this rare cancer that all the holistic doctors said, you have to do the chemo, we can't help you without that. So I decided to do both, but I did both. And I did my Miracle Morning, I did it all. So the point is, when you follow those three steps, you're affirming what you're committed to, you're affirming and reminding yourself why it's meaningful to you, why it's crucial to you, and you're affirming what specific actions you'll take and win, you're not deluding yourself, you're not lying to yourself, you are programming your subconscious mind to think and believe and feel in alignment with the outcome that you're committed to, and you are directing your conscious behavior so that you follow through and do the things that will produce the outcomes. And I encourage you to take that affirmation formula and attach that to every area of your life, your health. What are you committed to in your health? What are you committed to in your marriage? What are you committed to in your finances, in your career, your impact in the world? As a parent, every area of my life has all three of those steps in the form of an affirmation. And every day, it keeps me focused on being committed to the person I need to be and the actions I need to take to achieve everything that I want for my life. Oh, I love it. It's so specific. And it's also heartfelt because you're connecting with the why. Why do you want that thing? And when we connect with the why, that is what gives you the motivation and the juice to keep going. So I love that. That's so practical. Thank you for that. Just popping in to tell you about Organifi and all-natural, organic, vegan, super delicious superfood blend that I'm obsessed with. As you know, I'm a serious health nut and health is one of my top priorities and core values and something I don't skimp on. This is why I make sure to have my Organifi green juice daily. We all need more greens in our life and starting your day with these alkalizing, nourishing greens is a great way to make sure you're getting more. But they don't just do greens. They also have a red juice, gold mushroom blends, clean protein powders, probiotic blends, and so much more. And you can get 15% off everything store-wide at Organifi.com forward slash Melissa. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Melissa. And all you have to do is type Melissa at the checkout to get 15% off everything in your cart. How epic is that? You've spoken a little bit about the miracle morning. Can you tell us what exactly is this miracle morning that you speak of? Yes, thank you. This is my life's work. The miracle morning, I've never contributed anything to the world other than my kids and family, but in terms of the world that has impacted people's lives more than the miracle morning. And the miracle morning, it started out as a morning ritual. That It's now a book. The book has reached two and a half million copies sold. And it's been translated in 37 languages. So the book is what's reaching all the people. But I'll go back to the beginning. 2008, the United States economy crashed and I crashed with it. I had just started my first business as a business coach. The business was thriving. The economy crashes. I lose over half of my clients, therefore over half of my income. I lose my house. I can't pay my mortgage. The bank forecloses on my house. My body fat percentage tripled in six months. It was like this six-month downward spiral where physically I was at like my lowest point. Mentally and emotionally, I was really depressed for the first time in my life. I was just declining. I was losing money. I was growing dead. I mean, it was really the lowest point in my life. And a series of events led me to listen to this Jim Rohn audio. And in this audio, I heard Jim Rohn say a quote, and thank God this quote, I mean, it changed my entire life faster than I ever imagined. And it really gave birth to the miracle morning. 
Jim said, your level of success will rarely exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person that you become. And when I heard that, like a light bulb went off and I went, wait a minute, I'm not dedicating time every day to my personal development. Therefore, I'm not becoming the person that I need to be that can create or attract or sustain the success that I want. And so I'm gonna go online and I'm gonna find out what do the world's most successful people do for their personal development? And I Googled like, what do CEOs do? What do millionaires do? What do billionaires do? What do world champions do? And Olympians and all the things. And I was looking for the best personal development practice that I could start implementing in my life. I ended up with a list of six. I couldn't narrow it down to one. It was meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. And depending on which article you read or which interview you watched, there was no like clear cut winner. It wasn't like they've compared these six and here's the winner. And so I got overwhelmed and I went, I don't know which one to do. And the epiphany was, wait a minute. What if I woke up an hour earlier tomorrow, even though I was not a morning person, that was the hardest part, which we'll get to that in a second. And I did all six practices. What if I did like 10 minutes each? I thought that would be the ultimate morning ritual, the ultimate personal development ritual. All the stuff I was reading, nobody was saying I do meditation after it. Like they just said, I do one or maybe one or two, maybe three at the most, but nobody did all six. And I went, that would be the ultimate. And I was at such a low desperate point. I was like, I'm willing to do whatever. And so that night I went to bed and even though I wasn't a morning person, it was kind of like a kid being a kid on Christmas. I was like so excited to try this. And I woke up the next morning and I fumbled my way through all six practices. By the way, if you're listening right now and if you're taking notes, let me give you a frame and we'll dive into these. These are known now in the Miracle Morning book. These are organized as an acronym, which is, these are the lifesavers, S-A-V-E-R-S. The S is for silence. That's your meditation or your prayer time. The A is for affirmations, which we already covered. The V is for visualization, which, you know, the world's greatest athletes swear by visualization. The E is for exercise. The R is for reading. And the final S in savers is for scribing, which is a fancy word for writing or journaling, but the J didn't fit the acronym. The saver J wouldn't wouldn't work. So became the savers. So I ran through all six of these, but I didn't know how to meditate. I didn't know how to do affirmations. They felt really goofy. So I fumbled my way through all six practices. And I'll I'll dive in and give some tips on each in a minute. But at the end of that hour, Melissa, keep in mind, I was depressed. I was in debt. I was a mess externally, which had made me a mess internally. This was 2008. The economy was tanking. And the climate was similar to today. There was no virus, but it was record unemployment, right? I mean, everybody's failing and and afraid and the news is pouring fear down our throats, right? Like it was the same climate. So my outer world was still a mess, but that morning doing one hour of what wasn't really an impressive morning routine, like I said, I was fumbling my way through it. I felt empowered for the first time in six months because this was my mindset. I went, wait a minute. If I start every day like this, because even though I wasn't good at it, it was new, I still felt calm and at peace and I felt focused and I learned something to implement into my life and my business and I felt motivated and I felt energized. And it was this one hour I go, if I start every day like this every single day, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be in terms of the mindset and the habits and the discipline and the knowledge in order to 
create everything I want for my life. And so I committed to do these six practices every day. And a month later, no, I'm sorry, it was two months later, I had more than doubled my income. Keep in mind, the economy was still getting worse and I didn't change careers. I just figured out through the clarity and the knowledge I was gaining during my miracle morning, I just figured out how to still find prospects in that economy. And I more than doubled my client load for coaches and I, I, or as a coach and I doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically. Two months later, I was training for a 52 mile ultra marathon. I had never run in my life except for high school PE class when they forced you to run a mile and I hated it. But as I was doing the miracle morning, I was just becoming a different person. Like I had never thought so big and and I was so like, I felt unstoppable and I went, what would be a way to challenge myself physically? I go, what if I ran a marathon? And after I grabbed that idea, I went, no, 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 no. Everybody does marathons. What if I did a double marathon, right? And I completed it six months later and I went to my wife and I go, sweetheart, two months ago, I was depressed. Obviously, I'm not depressed anymore. I'm on fire. I said, we're still in debt, but I've doubled our income. We're on our way out. And I was in the worst shape of my life physically. I hadn't exercised in six months. I said, I'm running 20 miles a week. This is crazy. I said, this morning routine, it feels like a miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. And I go, I love that. But again, it wasn't a book idea. Like, But I started teaching it to my coaching clients as, guys, I'm doing this thing called, I call the miracle morning. Let me tell you about it. And almost every single one of them went from, I'm not a morning person. Well, you, it's working for you. I'll give it a try. And every single one of my clients, except for one, so 13 out of 14, came back to the next call two weeks later, and they were all just like me. They were on fire. They go, Hal, my business is thriving. I'm reading. I'm exercising. I'm on and on. And that's when the light bulb went off, and I went, wait a minute. If the miracle morning changed my life, and I was not a morning person at all, I was at rock bottom. If it changed all my clients' lives, and they weren't morning people either, this could change the world. It could change anyone's life. And I started writing a book. Writing's hard for me. It took me three years. I self-published it. And my goal was to change a million lives one morning at a time. And the first year I sold 17,000 copies. I was like 983,000 copies short. It took six years, but it reached a million people. And now it's two and a half million people. And we have a documentary. The Miracle Morning movie comes out on 12-12-2020, and it follows my journey of going around the world trying to change millions of lives and then getting cancer halfway through and almost dying. And our filmmaker was in the hospital with me filming like me at my lowest points and doing chemo and you know completely bald and really skinny and all of these things. Anyway, so yeah, so the movie's coming out and my mission is now to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person and one morning at a time. And it's become this collective mission where our community of millions of people are committed to this. They're waking up every day, doing their miracle morning, elevating their own consciousness, and then sharing it with as many people as they possibly can. And that's how it's become kind of this global movement. So that's the miracle morning in a nutshell. (laughs) I love it. So you launched it and you sold 17,000 in the first year. What was the tipping point? I mean, did someone, did Oprah get hold of it? Or what do you think it was that tipped it over and it just went flying? I call this the miracle equation. So this is my approach to all of my goals is I already covered one, unwavering faith. That's the first decision I make that every goal I set, I will maintain unwavering faith 
through the ups and the downs and the fear and the doubt. I will just, it's a commitment no matter what. It doesn't matter if I feel fear, I choose faith, right? And the second decision that I always make is extraordinary effort until the outcome is achieved. And extraordinary effort doesn't mean that I work 60 hours a week. In fact, my family's number one, not work. It means that I do at least one thing every day that moves me closer to the outcome. And so extraordinary effort for me is really about consistency until the outcome is achieved. It's not working like a maniac. It's just every day I do one thing, I move a little bit closer, and sometimes it's more than one thing, but I move closer every day. So I just wanna share that because those are the two decisions I believe that create miracles in our lives. When we commit to an outcome and we commit that we will maintain unwavering faith, no matter what, and put forth extraordinary effort until the outcome is achieved, well, we kind of become unstoppable. The only variable really becomes timing. And that for me was it. My first year, my goal was to sell 1 million copies of The Miracle Morning. That's how I was gonna change 1 million lives one morning at a time. And I chose one year because it's just kind of the arbitrary number that we all choose. And I didn't even, I don't even know how to sell books. How am I gonna sell a million copies, right? But that was the goal. And I sold 17,000 copies. Now, if you do the math on that, that means I was 98.3% short of the goal. By measure, that's a dismal failure, right? But those two decisions, unwavering faith and extraordinary effort until the outcome is achieved, well, it didn't waver. For sure, was I a little bit bummed? Like, dude, and was I also questioning how long it was gonna take? I go, this might take like 100 years. But I was committed. When the year ended, I went, you know what? If it takes the rest of my life, it's almost a commitment of how you're committed to being and not being attached to the outcome. Like I'm gonna maintain unwavering faith that I can change a million lives with this miracle morning and I'm gonna put forth extraordinary effort regardless of the results. If I die and at the end of my life, I only 100,000 lives were changed, whatever. I did everything that I could because I maintained those two decisions. So year one, 17,000 copies. By the way, I wanna be really quickly mention what I did. I did over 150 interviews on other people's podcasts. I did 52 of my own weekly podcast episodes that I launched when I launched the book. I was on 13 television shows all over the United States. I gave 36 speeches all over the United States and Canada. That was my extraordinary effort. I did everything in my power. I also launched this Miracle Morning Community Facebook group and I added value as much as I could there. I did everything in my power to reach a million people and I reached 17,000 people. And year two, I just dusted myself off and I go, all right, let's try it again. And year two, I think I sold 23,000 copies. So not that many more. And year three, I don't remember the exact number, but it took me six years to reach that million person goal. So it was six years later that I sold a million copies of the book. And in terms of what that tipping point was, it's primarily word of mouth. If you read the book, The Tipping Point, by the way, which I actually read that book early on, the book, The Tipping Point, talks about how do these companies that struggle for years finally take off and seem like an overnight success, or individuals, or brands, or movements, or whatever. And what they find was kind of that unwavering faith and extraordinary effort, like you just keep doing it. And then it's often different for everybody what that tipping point is. Sometimes it's just the word of mouth reaches critical mass, which is kind of what it was for me. But there was one kind of turbocharging toward the end. I was on Pat Flynn's podcast, Smart Passive Income, and Pat has a really loyal following. And Pat on the beginning of the episode said, Hal, I'm not a morning person. I don't wanna be a morning person. 
but I've heard this miracle morning thing is working for people, so convince me, kind of thing, right? And I'm going, how am I gonna convince this guy that's got a great family life, he's very successful, how am I gonna convince him to wake up early? And after the interview, he goes, Hal, I'm, I'm, tell, I'm committing to you and to my audience that I will do this for 30 days and I will share the results on you know, social media and I'll just update people on the results. And he ended up becoming a miracle morning. He's in the movie. Like he is like a morning person diehard now. And so, yeah, so if there was anything that was a catalyst, I think we were selling about 3,000 copies a month when I did the interview with him and it jumped up to 5,000 copies a month. And then eventually it reached 10,000 copies a month and just stayed there, I think, until now. I want to say it wasn't one thing. At that point, I had done like 250 interviews. I think people are like looking for that home run, that Oprah Winfrey effect, that Tim Ferriss effect. No, it still hasn't reached that point where it sells a million copies overnight because it reaches this super world famous person. I have yet to reach that person. But again, I'm committed until the day that I die, if you will, which hopefully is in like, but I will continue to maintain unwavering faith and put forth extraordinary effort. And the last thing I'll say is I took the number off. So the number was change a million lives and once we reached a million people, I went, well, what is it now? And so my mission in life, and this is where it's for the rest of my life, is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person and one morning at a time through the miracle morning. And that's why we're coming out with the movie in December because my friend that's a filmmaker pointed out, he goes, Hal, what percentage of people read self-help books? And I said, 1% maybe. He said, what percentage watch television or movies? And right when he said that, he convinced me, I guess we're making a movie. If we're gonna reach everyone and truly elevate the consciousness of humanity, we have to put it in a form where they will actually turn it on and watch the 90 minute movie versus reading, you know, the, the 150 page book. So yeah, that's where we're at. I love it. I can't wait to see the movie. It sounds awesome. And I love your miracle equation, that unwavering faith and the effort. It's so important. And when you combine those two things, miracles do happen. So I love that. And that's your, your next book, isn't it? Miracle Equation. That's my latest book that came out last year. And it's kind of interesting. Miracle Morning came out in 2012. And so most people think, oh, you're really milking that miracle brand, right? Miracle Morning, Miracle Equation. It's actually really ironic. The Miracle Equation I created when I was 20 years old, when I was in sales or 21. And so that was 20 years ago. So I created that, uh, what, 15 years before the Miracle Morning was an idea. And it was called the Miracle Equation. And I used to give speeches about it in, just in my community and my company and this and that. And the irony is the Miracle Equation, as I just described it, is the mindset and the approach that I used to turn the Miracle Morning into this worldwide movement. And then when my publisher reached out and said, hey, we would love for you to write a book with us. What book would you like to write? And I threw out four or five ideas and I said, I'm gonna save the one that's on my heart for last, but I don't know if it's marketable. I don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of woo-woo, I think, with the way I shared it, the miracle equation. And I said, I've been living this for 20 years. I said, and if you study the world's most successful people in any walk of life, you find that those are the two decisions, unwavering faith and extraordinary effort that they've made over and over and over and over and over again, right? It's not a one-time decision. You make these over and over and over. Every day when you wake up, you go, I'm gonna maintain unwavering faith that I can do everything 
that I need to get done today and, and achieve all of my outcomes. And I'm going to perform the extraordinary effort no matter what, there's no other option. And if you study the world's most successful people, you find that those are the two decisions that they've made that led to their success. And so luckily the publisher was on board and that was my first traditionally published book, Miracle Equation. Here's how I look at the two books and how they kind of complement each other. The Miracle Morning is your daily practice for personal development so that you can wake up every day and start the day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, spiritual state so that you can be at your best so that when you show up to your work or your family or whatever, right, you are the best version of yourself every day. So the Miracle Morning is that daily practice for personal development. And then the Miracle Equation is your daily process for goal achievement. And that's what I realized is a lot of people become personal development junkies and they just, they read and read and read, but they don't have faith they can achieve their goals and they don't have the habits in place to put forth that extraordinary effort. And so I kind of realized that the miracle equation is the next step. After this miracle morning, you get this practice down for your personal development. You need a process for goal achievement. You need to be able to transfer that personal development into real tangible effort, a practice, a process that will make your biggest goals and dreams that'll turn them from seemingly impossible to ultimately inevitable. And I feel like that's what the miracle equation does to complement the miracle morning. Love it. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about Luna Skincare. You guys know I'm a qualitarian and only ever put on or in my body the best. Because our skin is our largest organ and whatever we put on it gets absorbed straight into our bloodstream. I aim to live toxic-free. This is why I love Luna. They use only organic, natural-based ingredients, they're vegan, gluten-free, don't test on animals, and use sustainable and recyclable packaging. That gets so many ticks from me. And their products nourish and rejuvenate you and your skin. Each product is carefully blended by hand with essential oils that have so many benefits for our skin and that are also known to help stress-related conditions and have the ability to ground us. How magical is that? Grounding and good-for-you skincare. To get your hands on some of their beautiful products at 25% off with the code MELISSA, head to lunaskincare.com.au. That's L-U-N-A-R skincare.com.au. What if someone listening is like, there's no way, Hal, that I am getting up one hour earlier? I would say join the club. When I was writing The Miracle Morning, that was my biggest fear. Whenever I would have writer's block, I would almost throw in the talent. But I kept thinking to myself, how am I going to convince someone who's, quote unquote, not a morning person? Or has four kids. So how do you convince that mama who's got four kids, who's not a morning person, who is saying right now, how there's no way? There's no way. So here's what I will say is that about a year ago, I was asked in an interview It was that question, but it was followed by what percentage of the Miracle Morning community were already morning people before they read the book? So this was just a shift of behavior. It was like, oh, okay, instead of checking email first thing, I'll do the savers, right? Or instead of watching the news, I'll do the savers. They said, what percentage were already morning people? So this was not a big overcoming of a limiting belief that they're not a morning person. They just had to shift their behavior. And they said, and what percentage of the Miracle Morning community were never in their life had ever been a morning person. So this was like a big, like, oh, I don't know. And I did not know the answer. So we surveyed the Miracle Morning community 
I really didn't know. I assumed that I was thinking like 50-50, I don't know. Um, maybe it was gonna be 80% of people were already morning people, so I would just kind of caught the low-hanging fruit with the book. And I was pleasantly surprised and blown away. 72%, they had never in their entire life been a morning person until they read the book. So when I say join the club, not just me, but it's the majority of people that do the Miracle Morning. And here's why I kind of tried to figure out why that is. Why were so many people have been able to overcome a lifetime of telling themselves, I'm not a morning person, or I've got four kids, I don't have time for this. And I'm gonna answer that question kind of separately because it's a little bit different. There's a chapter in the book called The Five-Step Snooze-Proof Wake-Up Strategy. And this is the linchpin that enables people to overcome that, I like to snooze, I have trouble waking up in the morning. And I'll share a few of the most important of these five steps. Number one, you have to set your intention before bed. In other words, you have to make a commitment before bed. And in the book, there's actually something called the bedtime affirmation, which is my personal affirmation word for word that I have on my bedside table. I don't need more, it's memorized, but that I've, I had for many years on my bedside table that I would read before bed. And it said, I am committed to waking up tomorrow at blank time and I am committed to waking up with energy and discipline and getting out of bed and you know it, on and on and on and so before bed think about this your first thought in the morning is almost always the same thought you had before bed you could all say that with emotion the first feeling you have in the morning is whatever the feeling was you had before bed many people maybe even most people go to bed stressed about the next day, right? You go to bed stressed, you don't sleep that well, and your first thought in the morning is, oh God, it's morning. I have to do blank, 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 and blank today. I've got that client meeting. I, I'm in debt right now. My husband and I went to bed having a fight, right? And so that bedtime affirmation allows you to set your intention and your mindset and your emotions before you go to bed. So your first thought in the morning is exactly what you programmed yourself for bed, which is it's morning, I'm excited, I'm awake, etc. So that's the first step is you've got to set your intentions and your commitment before you go to bed. And maybe the most important step is you have to set your alarm clock as far away as you possibly can. For me, it's in the bathroom next to my sink. And when I wake up in the morning, because here's the reason, if you can reach the alarm clock while you're still half asleep, what do you do almost every time, Melissa? What do most people do? Sometimes you don't even wake up for it. You just, you're, it's like a dream. Oh, I'm dreaming, what? And it's news, right? When you have to get out up, get out of bed, walk across the room, it is 10 times, 100 times, infinitely easier to stay awake. I remember I gave a speech in New York and a CEO said, before I went up on stage, he was introducing me and he said, Hal, I hope you share this tip. In case you don't, I'm going to. He said, the game changer for me was moving my alarm clock across the room. And it's so simple. So simple. But this is a CEO of a, you know, this big company. And he's like, I never thought of that. It was a game changer. But when you combine that with the first step of setting your intention before bed and the commitment, well, now that you're awake and you're remembering I'm committed to stay awake and brush my teeth and wash my face and rehydrate with a full glass of water, those two things make you unstoppable and it's so much easier to just move on with your day. And then once you do your first miracle morning, you are so energized, you're so inspired, you're so fired up that the second miracle morning, it's like, you're like a kid on Christmas, 
when the alarm goes off, you're, you already know what's coming. You go in, you turn it off, you brush your, like you can't wait to get in the living room. And I'm speaking both from experience and from hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people that would tell you the exact same thing from their own experience. And then I can answer the question of what if you have four kids and you're like, I don't have time for this. So that's a question we get asked a lot in the Miracle Morning community in the Facebook group, right? I'm a mom, I've got three kids. I already wake up at 6 a.m. to get them ready. Like, uh, I can't do it. And the moms and the dads, they come in, the other parents will come in and, and people will get dozens and dozens of comments or hundreds of comments. And they will say, I thought the same thing. I gave it a try. I woke up an hour earlier and you can wake up half an hour earlier to start, you know, just ease into it. But they said, you realize that it allows you to prime yourself to get in that peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state so that when your kids wake up, you're super mom, you're super dad, right? And what you realize is, oh my gosh, I need this more than the people that don't have kids, right? And you go, my family deserves this from me. And that's, for me, that's what I've realized is that when I started the Miracle Morning, I was, you know, 29, I think, 29 years old. And I was in debt and I was doing it very selfishly, right? It was like, I need to make money. I need to, I, I need to be successful. I need to turn my life around. And what I've come to now is that the Miracle Morning, while it helped me do all of that and get everything that I wanted out of life, for me, it's the ultimate practice for me being the dad that my kids deserve and being the husband that my wife deserves and the leader that my community deserves and the human that humanity deserves, right? And so for me, I still do the Miracle Morning. I've done it probably an average of six days a week for 12 years, almost every day. And for me now, it's about giving to myself first so that I can give the best version of me to the people I love and the people that I lead. Oh, I love it. What are the reasons why you wouldn't do it? So the only time I don't do it is if I stay up late. And so that is date night with my wife, movie night with my kids. So I probably average like, you know, five to six days a week, depending. I actually love doing it on the weekends. Oprah Winfrey has a great quote that sums up why. She said, I love waking up on Saturdays and, and getting to work because it gives me a sense of time freedom that doesn't come with the pressure that the weekdays come with. So I love Miracle Morning on Saturday. I love it on Sunday. And people in the community, that's another popular question in the Facebook group. They go, do you do the Miracle Morning on weekends? And it's almost always the same answers. At first, I started with five days a week. And then I would take Saturday off and I would sleep in, but I'd wake up and I wouldn't feel as good as I felt when I did the Miracle Morning, right? I wasn't centered. I wasn't calm. I wasn't focused. I didn't have clarity, all these things. So then I started doing it on the weekends and I went from five days a week to six days a week to seven days a week. I always tell people do it more than you don't. So at least four days a week, right? But, but I do tell people in the beginning, the Miracle Morning book concludes with a 30-day challenge. And I talk about the importance of doing something for 30 days in a row. And if you miss a few days, it's fine. But if you do something every day, the more often you do something, the easier it is to keep doing it. And so I have a chapter that leads up to the final chapter in the book that explains the psychology of why we fail to make changes and for those changes to stick. And then how we need to approach things both psychologically and logistically for a change, a behavior, a habit to stick forever. And so that leads into this Miracle Morning 30-day challenge. So I always tell people, I encourage you to start, try to do it 30 days in a row. If you miss 
five of those days or whatever, six or seven or eight, whatever, do the best that you can and it'll get easier and easier and easier and just become part of your life. And people will tell you in the community, when they don't do the Miracle Morning, they just feel off. They just feel like they, they miss, it's like people that love going to the gym and when they miss the gym, they just feel like, man, I missed that practice that nurtures my soul. I love it. Can you do an express version, like say a five minutes, five minutes of each one? The beauty of the Miracle Morning, and I know I'm like giving away a lot of the book here, but there's a chapter in the book called Customizing the Miracle Morning to Fit Your Lifestyle and Achieve Your Goals. And it handles a lot of different things from if you have kids, if you work a late shift, whatever. But the one of the simplest thing I talk about is the savers, those six practices can be done in any duration. They can be done in any order, right? So you could do five minutes each. You could do five minutes of silence, five minutes of affirmations, five minutes of visualization, five minutes of scribing, but then you could do 20 minutes of exercise and 20 minutes of reading, right? So it's completely customizable. There's another chapter in the book called The Six-Minute Miracle Morning, and this is something where most people we have, I think we, at least I do, have an all-or-nothing mindset, which is like if you intended to go to the gym for an hour and you wake up late, now you only could go for 20 minutes, you just don't go at all. And I caught myself in this in this habit of if I didn't wake up on time or if I had an early appointment or something, I would just skip the miracle morning altogether. And then one morning, I only had like 15 minutes before I had to leave, but I was dressed, I had my, you know, I was ready to go. And I go, I'm gonna do a six minute miracle morning. I'm gonna do one minute for each of the savers. And I'm gonna see how that feels. And I did one minute of silence. And yeah, you can't go really deep in a minute of meditation, but you can absolutely say a quick prayer or do a little meditation, calm your nervous system, take some deep breaths, and you definitely feel calmer. And then I pulled out my affirmations and you know, in a minute I was able to read through them once, right? And I, I reminded myself of what I was committed to and who I needed to be and I got excited and energized. Then I visualized my day. I went, looked at my schedule and I visualized my day going through it in a perfect kind of, you know, mindset and, and, and attitude and energy. And anyway, and I did an, uh, 60 seconds of jumping jacks, right? And my, I was breathing heavy, got some oxygen to my brain. I pulled out a self-help book. I read a page and I learned something new that, 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 that was exciting, right? And then I pulled out my journal and I wrote down three things I was grateful for. And in six minutes, I felt like I got 80% of the benefit of the miracle morning and it was one-tenth of the time, you know? So yeah, so to answer your question, right, it's completely customizable. And I don't recommend that you do a six minute miracle morning every day because you can't go very deep, right? I mean, you know, it's not like reading a page a day, meditating for a minute, like, is it valuable? Yes. Is it better than nothing? Yes. But as you do these practices, you start to realize a lot of people, myself included, after a week of doing the miracle morning for an hour and waking up at 5 a.m., I was getting so much value from the miracle morning that week two, I asked myself, how could I make this even better? I wish it were longer. And I go, what am I going to do? Wake up at 4 a.m.? And I went, yeah, I'm waking up at 4. And for, I think, seven or eight years, I woke up at 4 a.m. Uh, until I got cancer. And then I decided to sleep a little bit longer. But anyway, there's a long answer to your question once again. But yeah, you can do the Miracle Morning in a, an abbreviated version. And a lot of people, I think we surveyed recently, and it was something like 80-some percent of Miracle Morning practitioners do one hour in the morning. And then the other, you know, 15 to 20% did 30 minutes. So those were the two most popular. It was either an hour or 30 minutes were, were the like 98% of people that did Miracle Morning. Oh, awesome. And we will link to 
both of your books in the show notes because I highly recommend them. Everything you've shared is just so amazing. I've got a couple more questions for you. If you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, besides your books, because they absolutely need to be in high schools everywhere. Imagine if I had have had this knowledge back then. Oh my gosh. What is one book that you would choose? Oh, that's so hard to choose one. I'm going to choose a book that I've recently been uh, so high on, uh, and that is Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. Have you read that? Yeah, it's so good. And I'll link to that one in the show notes as well. Yeah, Loving What Is. I've never read a book that I was immediately using while like I was just, it it changed my thinking uh, just every day. And then I'm going to give one more. I'm going to cheat. Can I cheat? Yeah, you can cheat. (laughs) The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And those are two of my favorite books. The Untethered Soul just didn't feel as actionable, but it shifted my mindset. And I felt like those two married together were just like a really a beautiful thing. So, but if I had to pick one, it'd be Loving What Is by Byron Katie. I love Byron Katie. And I'll link to both of those in the show notes. Okay, I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, what's one thing that we can do today for our health? Drink more water. Awesome. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Get clear on how much money you want to earn and then follow the three-step affirmation formula that I gave you earlier. Commit to it, get clear on your why, and get clear on the actions you're going to take to do that. And if right now you don't know what those actions are, then the action is scheduling time to figure out what those things are. Love it. And what's one thing that we can do today for more love in our life? Just decide who you're going to be and how you're going to show up for the people in your life. And I'll tell you, the game changer in my marriage, after my wife and I were going through a really difficult time and she went camping without me, it was a tough time. And I decided, you know what? I'm playing what most of us do is we play this keeping score game where we reflect how people treat us. And if my wife's rude to me or she's in a bad mood, then I mirror that back to her. And I went, you know what? That's not who I want to be anymore. I'm going to love my wife unconditionally. And the only way to do that is to show up as a space and a projection of unconditional love. I'm going to commit every day to make her life amazing, to serve her selflessly, and no matter how she treats me. And then I actually went as far as I imagine, well, what if she's rude? How am I going to keep this space? I go, you know what? If she's in a bad mood and she projects that onto me, that for me means I need to love her even harder. I don't, I'm not going to mirror that. I'm going to be even kinder, even more compassionate, even more empathetic. Am I perfect at it? No, I'm human, but it's in my affirmations. And that to me is decide that you're going to be a space for love and belief in other people. And it's unconditional, not because of who they are and how they treat you, but because of who you are and how you're committed to treating them. I love that. So beautiful. So inspiring. I'm going to do that with my husband as well, for sure. Is there anything else that you want to share? Is there any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to ask you about? No, I think you got, we got everything accomplished. This is great. I'll leave you with this. Love the life you have while you create the life of your dreams. And don't think you have to wait for the latter to do the former. Right now, we're living in a pretty crazy world. And the one thing I remind myself every day is I can't control the outer world. 
a lot of it at least, right? The only thing that I have control over is my inner world. And that my miracle morning for me is waking up every day, meditating, you know, journaling, all these practices, doing my affirmations and reminding myself that I am committed to be at peace with all things I can't change. I'm committed to being grateful for everything in my life. From my adversity to the gifts that I have, I'm committed to projecting love. I'm committed to being a space for other people to be the best version of themselves, right? All these things that are my affirmations, every day it's taking ownership of my inner world. And so I encourage you to, no matter what's going on around you, decide that you are 100% responsible for what's going on inside of you and then dedicate time each day, ideally in the morning, to nurture your inner world, to nurture your mind, body, and spirit so that you can be at peace that you can be happy, that you can be optimistic, and that you can be proactive to take control of the things that you can control to improve your circumstances while you're you're loving the life you have, while you're creating the life of your dreams. I love that. That's so beautiful. This has been so powerful, jam-packed, so much information. I'm so inspired. Really, I truly am. And I want to thank you so much for sharing so openly and honestly and giving us all your tools and tips and tricks. And I want to encourage everyone to go to the show notes and grab your books. And I just wanted to ask you one final question. Everything that you do, all the work that you do, you're helping so many people. You are serving so many people all over the world, millions of people. How can we give back to you today? Oh, that's a really sweet question. Honestly, it's to take on the miracle morning. Like I said, there's nothing that I've ever contributed to the world that that has made such a profound impact. And again, not just profound in the, the width, you know, reaching millions of people. It's really in the depth. I've had from people, you know, whether it's overcoming depression, like whatever it is in your life that it, you're struggling with, yeah, just to implement what I talked about today. I mean, that would be the greatest gift to me because that serves my mission of elevating the consciousness of humanity one person and one morning at a time. And today I hope you are that person if you're listening. Thank you so much, Hal. This has been awesome. I love your energy. You're so high vibe and energetic. It's beautiful to be around. Thank you so much for sharing. It's been an absolute pleasure and I am so grateful. So thank you so much. Ditto, Melissa. Thank you. Awesome! I feel so motivated and inspired to take my morning routine to the next level. I don't know about you, but I definitely do. If you do, and if you got inspired by this episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And speaking of reviews, I want to read the review of the week for this week. And it is from Jane with a Y. It's a five-star review titled My Healthy Addiction. And she says, this podcast is one I tune into every week as I absolutely love all the topics that Melissa covers and the amazing guests that she interviews. It's led me to discover other great humans such as Jim Quick and Wim Hof, who I've invested in their books and teachings to complete my holistic puzzle. Thanks for continuously being my inspiration. You're a beautiful human. Jane, you are a beautiful human. Thank you so much for that epic review. I'm so grateful. And for anyone who leaves me a review, 
send me an email to hello at melissarambrosini.com. And as a little thank you, I'm going to send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. All you have to do is send a screenshot to hello at melissarambrosini.com and I'll send that over to you. And if you want to get my bursting with love guided meditation, you can leave a review on Amazon for either Mastering Your Mean Goal or Open Wide. And same with leaving a review on Audible for my latest book, Purposeful. Send me a screenshot and I will send you some epic meditations. And if you leave a review for Purposeful, I'm going to send you my Manifestation Masterclass, which is pretty awesome. So don't forget to come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got out of this episode. And for all the show notes, head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash 361. And now before I go, my darling, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.